0: Do you you ever have a moment in life when you just need a pick-me-up? So, uh, what I want to share first this morning, it actually is not particularly related to the message, although it may teach us a little something about context, but it came in a moment in this week when I just needed a little pick-me-up. Maybe you've seen it on social media um, to set this up, a, a few weeks ago, actually it's probably been a couple months ago now, I shared a, an excerpt from a message that I asked Chat GPT, the Artificial Intelligent Computer System, to write. And some of you may remember that I was really pretty impressed with, the, uh, with its ability to put together a, a message. It's not ready to, like, replace me yet, but but who knows, right? Anyway... The last couple days, this image has been floating around on social media, again, related to artificial intelligence, and I just had to share it. Now, it needs a little setup, so some of you may know there's a story in the Bible where Jesus goes into the temple— And he walks into the temple, and there are money changers there, and they're taking advantage of the people. And so the the gospel says that he went in, and he flipped over the tables. So you might ask, what happens if I ask an artificially intelligent computer system to find a picture of Jesus flipping over tables? And you might find (laughs) this. Right? This is the image going around on social media right now. Jesus literally flipping over a table. I've got to be honest, I I just kind of find this fun. Like, I looked at it, and then I laughed out loud, and I thought, this is an image of Jesus. Like, I want to know this Jesus. It's like the best of youth pastor Jesus, as we used to joke when I was in youth ministry. Youth pastor Jesus, who's like somebody bet him, he couldn't flip over the table, and he's like, watch me. Of course, with youth pastors, there you don't see the injury on the other side, but <laughs> with, uh, with that moment of fun and laughter is a good starting place today, I want to I wanna just invite you to hold on to a question. And uh, and this question is, is rooted in part in our identity as Clay Church. Part of our vision, the very first part of our vision at Clay Church, is to embrace every person in the love of God. Right? We, we developed this vision in 2015, and the very first part of it is we want to imagine, God is inviting us to imagine as a church that everybody we encounter as the people of God, wherever we are, are embraced in God's love. So hold on to that thought, and then, and then as this month at Clay Church, we are examining what does it mean to have servant hearts? We're anchored in these words of Jesus in Matthew 23. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? We're searching scripture and asking, what, is it, what does it mean to have a servant heart? So, as we think about having a servant heart, and as we think about this vision of embracing everyone in God's love, here's the question. I just want you to hold it in the back of your minds today. How are you, how am I, part of embracing everyone in God's love? Just keep that question in the background. How am I part of embracing everyone? in God's love. Let's pray, and then we're going we're to dive into Scripture today. Holy God, open us to your word today. Speak into, to, around, through me this day. May each of us gathered here hear a message from you for us. May we grow in our knowledge and our relationship with you and in in our recognition of this invitation to be a part of sharing your embrace in our world and our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Who here, show of hands, likes a good dinner party? Any, Any people who love a good dinner party? How many of you like a dinner party where everyone is watching you to see if you follow all the rules? Use the right fork. Not so much, right? So today, we're going to pick up with Jesus, and he's at a dinner party. And he's at this dinner party with the Pharisees, right? These are religious folk. He's at a religious dinner party, And, uh, and they are watching him to see if he follows the rules like they think he is supposed to. And some of the guests, they quiz Jesus, and Jesus then starts to notice what is going on at this dinner around him. Luke tells us, the Gospel of Luke tells us that this is what happens next. It's Luke 14, starting in verse 7. When he, Jesus, noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Before we kind of dive into Jesus' words, a couple things we should know. First, about meal gatherings in the time of of Jesus. Uh, First, the first thing to know about gatherings at meals is they did not all sit on the same side of the table. Da Vinci's art is great, but this is not what it looked like. This was just a photo opportunity at, their, uh, at, the, at the Last Supper. So, right? Instead, they would, they would gather, and the host would sit at the head of the table, or at the head of the room, and then everyone else would be arranged according to social position and where they sat. Where you sat, who you were with, it mattered in those days. In the wedding feast, it was no different than than other dinners, probably this very gathering of religious folk. The rich would typically get the best seats at the table, those closest to the host. Part of this was they would arrive first, right? They had servants doing the work for them, and so they could just come, particularly for a wedding feast that went on day after day. They'd just wander in when they were ready to eat and drink and party, and they would come and they'd get the, the seats closest to the host, They'd eat the best of the food and, and drink the best of the wine, sometimes even before other people arrived. The next group at the table would be the, we might think of them as middle class today, but it'd be the working class. It'd be those who uh, worked storefronts or who did crafts. And they would work throughout the day, and then when they, when they closed up shop or when they were done with their craft for the day, they would then come and take the next set of seats at the table, seated by their society position. And then finally, if they even had a seat at the table, would come the servants, right? They would come late after their work was complete. Their role was to first be certain that the needs of the the upper classes of society were met, those who stood above them in social standing. And then, only then, might they get a seat at the table or maybe just to the side in the room so that they could eat as well. Great hospitality in the time of Jesus meant your servants would meet the needs of your guests of highest social standing, making sure that they had the best wine, the best food, the best service, so that you, the host, would look good. That was the point of great hospitality, so that you, the host, and the important people that you were in mind could make connections and move up in social standing. Jesus looks around at this model of hospitality and he says, you are doing it wrong. Okay, that's a Brian paraphrase. That's not actually in the Bible. But essentially, Jesus looks at this model of hospitality in the culture, in the world, even within the religious community, and he turns it over. And he says, this isn't how followers of God... The people of God should be doing hospitality. Now, in a minute, we're going to look at sort of exactly what Jesus did say, but before we, before we do that, I want to pause and answer a question that some of you may be asking or pondering right now, because you, you may be thinking, okay, Pastor Brian, but our meals don't look like that today. Like, our table isn't arranged by social standing. It's, the rich don't come first and, and get the best seats at the, at the table. And, and that's probably true for most of our dinner parties. But what about other places in our culture and society today? How many of you took in a college uh, football game, watched a college football game at all over the, over the weekend? Any college football fans taken in a, in a college game? Have you ever looked around a stadium and thought about how we seat ourselves at a stadium? Who has access to those fancy boxes with all the best food and the best drink? It's It's not, it's not those who are poor and struggling. What about airlines? And have you flown recently? Where do those with less influence and social standing sit? (laughs) We uh, flew not too long ago and my son Noah was like, he's like, why do we have to sit at the back of the plane? I was like, because we bought the cheapest tickets and we bought them late, I'm sorry. What about restaurants? Who gets the seats with the best views? Best places. Great hospitality is something often reserved, right, for those with social and political and economic standing. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus has something to say to us today, to our culture today. Martha Stewart, some of you know, is you know, often seen as kind of an expert on hospitality and entertaining today. I haven't read this book. She wrote a book called Entertainment. I haven't read it, but as I was doing some just some general research about what does hospitality look like in the world today, I came across this this quote from Martha Stewart. She wrote, Entertaining like cooking, is a little selfish because it really involves pleasing yourself with a guest list that will coalesce into your ideal of harmony. With a menu orchestrated to your home and taste. With decorations subject to your own eye. Given these considerations, it has to be pleasureful. Right? Entertaining all built around the host and the host's experience. How might it be that, that Jesus would address our ideas around hospitality today? What does Jesus say about great Christian hospitality? Well, if we look at this dinner gathering, we see he, G- Jesus addresses hospitality right here. First, great hospitality is about meeting the needs of others first. This is what Jesus is, is pointing to when he talks about seats at the, at the table. Radical Christian hospitality. I'm going to use this word, radical Christian hospitality, because I think, I think hospitality we think of as, you know, people in the parking lot and shaking hands, but, but radical Christian hospitality, the kind that makes people feel fully embraced, it's bigger than that. Radical Christian hospitality gives up our seats at the table so that somebody else can sit and make a connection so that somebody else can have an experience that meets their needs, so that somebody else can feel embraced and honored in community, so that somebody else can experience a sense of fulfillment and goodness in their life. Radical Christian hospitality treats everybody as a guest of honor, not just some. It treats everybody as a guest of honor rather than seeking something for oneself. Have you ever had the experience with someone, best example of this is like you're at a gathering and there's a buffet line and you both come to it at the same time, right, and and one of you goes, you go, and they go, no, no, you go, and you say, well, you're the guest of honor. You go. And they're like, no, it's my day. I want you to go first. Have you ever, anybody ever had that experience? Right? And then it's kind of amusing, and we giggle. But within that, within that is this incredible model of, of hospitality. It's just, I, I don't know why, but sometimes I think we apply it there, but we don't apply it to the rest of our lives. In those moments, we're like, we're going to put your needs first. Yes, I'm hungry. I'm starving. I've been waiting. The prayer went way too long. Sorry, that's my house. Um, but right? But we put their needs first. This is radical Christian hospitality. Radical Christian hospitality doesn't care so much about my own needs as much as the needs of the other. Radical Christian hospitality is being willing to sacrifice, sometimes even sacrificing things I want or think that I need so that someone else's needs can be met. Radical hospitality is being willing to give something up so that somebody else can experience the radical love of Jesus, the embrace of Jesus in their lives. But Jesus' teaching doesn't stop there. Actually, I have this picture of the dinner, and the host is sitting there, and Jesus has started to talk about places of honor at the table, and, uh, and, and the host is like, yeah, I, I, I don't know why those people moved up. They didn't, they didn't deserve to sit where they're sitting. Like, the host is, like, tracking with Jesus and likes this story about, about people trying to move up the social ladder, and then all of a sudden, Jesus turns to him, and he's like, oh. And Jesus says to him, next time you throw a party, I want you to think about your guest list. Who's on your guest list? Who do you put on your invite list? Because radical Christian hospitality is always seeking to expand and widen the circles of love and acceptance. Radical Christian hospitality isn't just about who's at the table, it's about who isn't at the table. And why? Radical Christian hospitality isn't about shaping people into our image so that they fit in at our table, even. Radical Christian hospitality is accepting people where they are and joining them at their table sometimes. What does someone need to feel the full embrace of Jesus? Why aren't they at the table? Why don't they feel welcome at our table? Why haven't they received an invitation? Or why haven't they felt welcomed enough to accept it? These are the questions we ask if we want to offer this kind of embrace. About four years ago, maybe five now, I had a conversation with a young woman here in the South Bend community. She was bright, hopeful, Appreciated my desire to get together. I just had some questions. I wanted to hear more about some of the, the social work she was doing to, to build up people in our community and beyond, work around racism and, and justice. I was so inspired near the end of our conversation. I, I turned to her and I just said, Man, Is there any chance that you would come and, and speak in our church on a Sunday? Like, I'd love to just have people hear your voice. And I could tell by the way she hesitated. That the answer wasn't gonna be yes. She looked at me and she told me that she appreciated the invitation, but that the last time that she was in a in a church community, she was told pretty directly that she wasn't welcome. That her message wasn't welcome, that her story wasn't welcome. She said her experience had been that church people don't seem to want to change. She said, actually. Her experience had been that church people don't even want to hear somebody else's story or perspective, and I thought, Ugh, like this isn't untrue. She wasn't talking about clay church, and she didn't say an absolute no. she said, you know maybe maybe down the road, but but not right now. But she was talking about the church as she understood it. And I found myself ever since asking this, this question that we're wrestling with today, like, what would radical Christian hospitality look like for her? What would it what would it look like for her to, to feel embraced and loved and included? To feel like the church isn't judgmental and, and hypocritical, but that people of God are, are open and, and want to know the story of others and, and want to embrace people where, where they are. What would it look like for her to feel embraced for who she is and not who someone else wants her to be? There was a time when people flocked to our church buildings Right? People came to church. It was like the thing to do in our culture on Sundays. They were looking for spiritual guidance from pastors or, or other church people. People trusted the church. They saw the church as the, the center of, of community, central to community. As much as it pains me to say it, like that time is gone in our culture. Perhaps it's because there are too many like this young woman who experienced something very different at church, have had experiences like this. But I don't share this for us to go, oh wait, well then it's hopeless. I share this to say, I think when we talk about hospitality, when we look at what Jesus has to say, Like, Jesus presents another way for us to be the church that isn't just about making sure everything's perfectly clean and making sure that our our greeters are ready, thinking people are going to come through the doors, but instead, thinking about hospitality as as a way of being, a way of getting out into the world. Jesus, in the Gospels, right, he presents a different way of thinking about Christian hospitality. Go and offer it where people are. Go into the streets where people are and take food to them there and sit down and hear their stories. Go to where people are hurting and don't feel welcomed and make sure that they know that they are loved and embraced. Go to those who are feeling judged and alienated and invite them to be part of God's beloved community again. This is what Jesus modeled. Modeled for us. Great Christian hospitality today, I, I don't think I can say this too many times. It isn't just about the number of greeters in the parking lot or how good the coffee is in the welcome center. Although we have upgraded our coffee. I just want you to know it's it's good. Great Christian hospitality today isn't even asking, do you want to be with us? It's actually asking, how can we be with and for you? How can we be with and for you? When you put all this together, radical Christian hospitality isn't just something we do. It's a way of being. That's what Jesus is inviting those at this dinner to see. This way of humility, this this way of meeting the needs of others, this way of including others. It's it's not just something you do. It's a way to live your life. Not just something you do on Sunday morning or at a church gathering. It's a a way that you live your life out in the world. So what does this look like? Let me just share some thoughts about what, when we, rubber meets the road, and we think about how we live this, what is it, what does it look like? And first, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever had a moment, um, in your life on a, on a Sunday you woke up, and you're like, man, I would, it is raining today. I would rather just stay home in my PJs. I can maybe live stream worship. Anybody had that? Just me and Carolyn. All right, just the preachers in the room have actually, I'd like, no. (laughs) Right? We all have those mornings sometimes, me included. It's like, I just don't want to get out of bed today. I don't know. Nobody's going to miss me in worship. Okay, maybe I don't have that moment, but, but we all have those moments sometimes. Radical Christian hospitality is shifting our thinking in those moments to go, do you know what? I don't feel like going today, and, and maybe nobody would miss me, but, but God might use me. To meet somebody else's need today with a kind word, with a listening ear, with a handshake or a hug, God might need me today. Radical Christian hospitality is not asking, how is it going to meet my needs today? It's asking, is it possible God's going to use me to meet somebody else's needs today? Often, we think about coming to worship and filling our spiritual cup, and that's great. That is a part of what happens in worship. But radical Christian hospitality invites us not to think about how our needs are met, but walking into worship with a call and a desire to be part of a community that is meeting the needs of others. Radical Christian hospitality is signing up to serve on a Sunday in some team because we realize that by leading kids deeper into a relationship with Jesus or greeting people on a Sunday morning or making the cafe happen, we realize that those very acts feel our, fill our spiritual cup because it, it meets the needs of others because we get to participate in what God is doing in and through the community. Radical Christian hospitality is greeting somebody after worship not just because the pastor suggested you should, but because getting to know them and hearing their story might help you make a connection to fully embrace them where they are. You might hear Andy say, I'm looking for a job right now, and know that Mike is a great connector in the congregation for jobs. You might hear Amy say, I'm just struggling with grief right now, and and maybe Amy doesn't know that we have a Stephen ministry program here somebody that could walk with her. It's asking people how they are and wanting to hear the answer and then inviting people to tell them a little bit more about themselves, hearing their story so that we can reach in with the embrace of God's love. Radical Christian hospitality isn't just sharing a perfunctory handshake with a newcomer, someone I don't know, but it's looking for that person who's sitting alone in the cafe on a Sunday morning and just walking up and be like, hey, tell me about you. Tell me what's happening. It's about leaving worship and before you start conversations with all of your friends, just praying for a moment and asking the Holy Spirit to show you somebody who might need an encouraging word or or someone to listen and following the Holy Spirit into three or five minutes with somebody that you maybe don't know as well. Or maybe you know them and the Holy Spirit pointed you toward them before you start conversations with your own friends. And maybe most important, radical Christian hospitality is not leaving worship on Sunday morning and thinking, yep, that was great, church is over for the week. It's leaving the building on Sunday morning and then realizing that we have been invited again to be part of God's embrace in every moment of every day of our lives, to meet needs, to connect with stories at work, at home, at school, in your neighborhood, all to help people know God's presence, God's embrace. This is the heart of radical Christian hospitality. To walk with people Sound familiar? Our mission? To walk with people toward a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. To walk with people so that they know the embrace of Jesus. Last week, we closed our time of worship with a time of of prayer. Today, I want to invite the the band to come forward. This week, I'm going to invite us to close a little bit differently than last week. Maybe, maybe it's just sitting prayer versus standing prayer, if you think, it, think of it that way. What I want us to do today is I want to invite us to think about closing this time of listening to God's Word, of thinking about what Jesus says about hospitality, with just a, an invitation to commit ourselves. I want to invite you to stand up, because when I think of standing up, often we, we stand up to, to take a step, and whether you can want to stand in person or, or whether you want to sit and just Image that idea of, of standing to make a commitment. And I just want to invite us as we sing this last song today to come back to this question, how am I part of embracing people in God's love, of embracing everyone in God's love? And then just sing and think and, and say, God, show me the first step for me this week. And maybe for you, maybe for you that first step is you're like, today, you're like, I I feel called to step in and serve on a Sunday morning. I've been putting it off or, or I haven't really thought about it or nobody's ever offered the invitation in this way. I am ready to, to step in because I want to fill my spiritual cup by watching God pour and meet needs through me. And I'm willing to do that once a month. I, I set this goal today. I, it, I don't, I think, Jamie gave me a different number, but I said, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if, if 10 people today found Jamie after service? Jamie Leonard is our director of hospitality. Found Jamie after service. She's always around the, the welcome center and said, you know what? I want to serve once a month. I will shake hands or I can work in the cafe behind the scenes. I can do passing a plates. Wouldn't it be great if 10 people just said, I, I'm ready. Put me in coach. A first step. And maybe maybe you're not ready for that. Maybe you're visiting today. Maybe today God is just calling you to reach out to somebody in your weekly path that you know has just been really quiet lately or, or struggling, or, or maybe you don't even know what's going on in their life. And you're like, I've been the next to this person for years at work or at, at school, and I don't even know them. And so the first step is just going to be, take a moment and say, tell me your story. Tell me about you. I want to get to know you a little bit better. And then listening about for how you might offer God's embrace. And maybe, maybe today, every week we say these words at the end of service that we're going to reach one more person with God's love. Maybe today, the first step, your step today, is just to name that person. You're going to, and God's going to give you a name, and you're going to you're going to leave here and you're be like, I just, I'm going to find ways in the in the weeks ahead to make sure that this person knows that they are embraced in God's love. Once a week, I'm going to make sure that they know they are loved and embraced. And maybe today, the the first step is just just to pray to go back to Luke 14 this afternoon and read these words and be like god i need to feel your embrace how how might i get involved in community so i know that kind of love and embrace let's sing together today let's open our hearts to the holy spirit let's invite god to move to embrace us in these moments so fully that we can't help but want to share that embrace with others. I want to picture picture yourself, just picture yourself embraced in the best hug you've ever had in your life. Start there, and say, God, how can I offer this to somebody else? Let's sing together.